0: Now, it's some kind of natural phenomenon, right? And most of you are familiar with this. Um, Today is considered by many people to be what we call a low Sunday, right? You ever heard that before, a low Sunday? Now, that doesn't mean the scriptures are any less uh, uh, relevant or significant for us. doesn't mean that the prayers are ineffective or anything like that. What it does, it reminds us of something else. We all remember last week, right? Last week being Easter Sunday, right? And people crowded churches all throughout the world, didn't they? Now, they may, they may miss Christmas Eve, but Easter Sunday is kind of the one. Well, I think I should go to that one for sure, right? And you remember, we did it too. We had the sanctuary, uh, all prettied up with lilies and everything. And it's very typical for choirs to do special pieces on Easter Sunday. And there's also drawing. people go all out for Easter Sunday. Then they get to the second Sunday of Easter and, well, look around you. Where'd everybody go? Easter, this second Sunday of Easter... A lot of pastors take their vacation that Sunday and a lot of choir members take off and that's usually the Sunday people decide you know to go off and it just sort of naturally happens in so many churches. We aren't exempt. There's something weird about that. But this morning, our text from John, and in no way anticipating, I don't think, our situation, reminds us, reminds us of some important things about our low Sunday today. Now, I want you to imagine... Your world being turned upside down in the most negative way. Imagine that your teacher, your hero, right? Your God, your Lord, the one you thought was king, the one you knew was going to come and change everything, and take care of everybody, right? He's been arrested. He's been beaten, mocked, and he's been killed. And now, all of a sudden, your choice to follow him seems a bit foolish, right? Now of course, that, that, that's a, we understand that's a scenario that the disciples went through, disciples of Jesus, and they found themselves fearful, understandably fearful for their own lives because they killed Jesus. Why in the world wouldn't they kill us if they found out we followed him or if they found out we were part of his group? And so here they are, fearful, trembling, I suppose, and worried about their lives and who knows what else, hiding away in this room. And all of a sudden, Jesus pops in. And pretty literally, it seems, he kind of pops in, right? Santa Claus at least needs a chimney, not Jesus. He just kind of shows up. Now, and who knows what this experience is like, and they finally figure out it's Jesus. Maybe they thought it was a ghost at first. Maybe they thought, man, really, I should have laid off that last night. Maybe something going on. But when they see the hands and when they see the side, they know, right, that this is Jesus. And how do they respond? They're joyful, right? Remember, he was just killed, but here he is again, and he is joyful they are joyful immediately their fear is taken away from them and they are filled with joy and then jesus he had promised them this gift for quite a while and at this very moment he breathes on them and gives them the holy spirit they were going to need the holy spirit right if you look at the book of acts the holy spirit guided them and and and, and prodded them along sometimes and help them to do to fulfill this mission that God had given them. But right now we see this is when they receive the Holy Spirit. So I want you to imagine that picture in your mind of what these disciples are going through so far. Now I want you to imagine a modern church, modern day church, where on any given Sunday, Somebody in the congregation, somebody's come fearful of something. And maybe it's not just fear. Somebody comes in angry about something. Somebody comes in frustrated about something, confused about something, ashamed about something. I know the stories, and if you don't, you don't know, let me tell you that this is true. People come in every Sunday with so many things on their hearts that they're dealing with in their lives. And in much the same way, like the disciples, church becomes kind of this place where they can just hide. But then Jesus shows up and reminds us of the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's a powerful gift, and I hope you don't just think that's something I say, but that's a great reminder when we can come to a place like this with all of our shame, with all of our hatred, with all of everything we got going on in our minds, and be reminded that God says, I can take care of that. And be reminded that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Now, that's a promise. If I were sitting with you were I think I would have said amen by now, but that's a promise we have. But I want us to think, what does that have to do with our low Sunday, our second Sunday of Easter? Well, think about the disciples. They've been fearful, world upside down, blah, blah, blah. They meet Jesus. They receive the Holy Spirit. They're filled with joy. What do they do next? As they are in their little circle, maybe, they realize somebody's missing. Now, I want you to do something for them real quick. Look around. Somebody's missing. disciples said, you know what? Somebody's missing, and we're going to go find him. They wanted Thomas to be able to experience Christ the way they did. Thomas had been just as fearful, just as doubtful as they had been. And when they had this experience with Christ, it wasn't enough for them to say, we've got this experience, now let's go. Somebody was missing, and they went out and found him so so that he could have that experience as well now maybe Thomas still at this point is doubtful obviously we think he is maybe he doubted this Jesus showing up but I kind of figure it was hard for him to doubt the joy that they had as they were telling him, y'all with me they went out and found him to tell him he may not have believed it was Jesus but the joy on their face can you imagine little disciple Bartholomew Well, he's just ooh and little Peter, our favorite little disciple, right? He's just glowing, right? Obviously, because the next time, as John tells us, Thomas is with them. Now, that's important because as we look around, yes, we notice that people are not here. And it's very easy for us to say, oh, it was so good to see sister so-and-so or brother who's his face. It's easy to do that. We should, we should do that. We celebrate that. It's a little more difficult, though. And I think a little more in line to our calling to look around and say, who wasn't here this morning? And what am I going to do about it? That's what the disciples did. There they were in their circle, and somebody was missing. And the reason why, understand, we say this over and over, the reason why we'd want to do something about it is because we have come here And we come with all of our fears and whatever else it is, and we come and receive the Holy Spirit again. We come to have this experience with God, and we only want that experience for other people as well. The same way the disciples wanted Thomas to have the experience. We want our sisters and our brothers to have that same experience. And we also want it for ourselves, but let's be honest, right? It's very easy for anybody to stay at home on their couch and their bunny slippers and curlers and bathrobe and hear any sermon they want online, right? Or you can go download any kind of Bible study. You don't need me, right? You can go look up any hymn and sing along karaoke style, can't you? Of course you can. But there's something about being here. Am I right? There's something about being face-to-face with more of God's people. There's something about singing together. Hmm. There's something about praying together. There's something about sitting next to each other. And what we need to remember is that in these moments that we have together, God shows up. Those are the other stories we know as well. God shows up in our meeting together the same way God showed up for those disciples behind those closed doors. So we realize God shows up and God can take our fear and give us hope or encouragement. God can take our anger and give us joy. God can take our shame and give us acceptance. God can take every mess up we've ever had and offer us forgiveness. Those are the kinds of ways, friends, that God shows up when we can come together as God's people. And as God's people, we can expect that God will show up. We might look around and not see anybody else, but we can be sure at least somebody's here. Y'all with me? Now the question is, if we can come and we can be sure and we can expect God to be here, praise God for that. Again, if I were sitting where you would sitting, I think I would have said amen, but that's just me anyway. But the bigger question then we ask is, how do we respond when God does show up? And that's where Psalm 16 comes in. Short little psalm. It doesn't look like a whole lot. Very straightforward, it seems. But Psalm sixteen gives us a, a great image of what it means for us to discover our response to God. Now, again, you need to ask any of the people who are on the in the Thursday morning Bible study. They'll tell you about it. We had a little too much fun than I think we need to have right now. But this <laughs> um, but this psalm is cool because In the psalm, the psalmist talks about, among other things, right? The psalmist has made up his mind. He's had enough with all these people who are doing their own things and offerings to other gods. He's had enough of that. And God becomes his portion and his cup, right? God becomes the one whom he chooses. And then he goes on, if you're able to recognize it, read it again. And and it gets lost kind of in English, the way it just sort of reads. But he talks about his heart. Talks about his hand. Talks even maybe about his tongue. He even talks about his kidneys. Yeah, you didn't have that in your version, did you? See what kind of fun we can have? But the image we have is, actually, he gets to his whole body. And what he's saying is, I have chosen God, and I have decided to respond by giving all of myself, my hands. Even my kidneys. There's a little more to that, but it's there. And it seems to me, and don't get me wrong, a lot of things can happen when we, like Thomas, can reach out our hands and touch, like, like Thomas did to Jesus. Great things can happen. But it seems to me that the church is full of just finger pointers. And what I mean by that is, well, it's kind of easy, right, just to kind of put our... A hand in there, or a finger in there, like Thomas did, right? And you know what I mean, you know, well, I went to church the other day, you know, I'll, I'll be all right for the next few weeks, you know. Or, or you know, the, the tithing stuff, well, I don't really need to tithe, I give my dollar every week, so, you know, it's, it's there. Or, or the praying stuff, I don't need to pray for that preacher, somebody else is doing it anyway, right? We're just kind of in there, right, with our, with our one little finger in our hand. And, you know, that community stuff, you know, the whole church signed up as a partner. Somebody else to do it. I don't need to do it, right? But think about it. You put your arm out for a little while. What happens? My arm gets tired, right? And then what do you want to do? <sighs> Thank you. <sighs> I'm done with that, right? And we know better, and we understand better, and we've been taught better. That's not the way the song goes. The song tells us maybe we start with a finger or with a hand, and we put that right hand in. And maybe sometimes we put that right hand out. But then you know we got to put the right hand back in. And then we don't stop with the right hand. We got to come back with the left hand. And we're going to end up with the left hand in there, aren't we? And then we're going to take our right foot, aren't we? And then we're going to take our left foot. And then some of us are going to shake it all about, aren't we? But the point is, you get to a point where your whole body is in, shaking all about, right? And that is what the psalmist teaches us, that if we are going to decide that God is our portion and our cup, we can't finger point and say, well, I'll just do this much. I'll just get away with this, hoping and believing, maybe not so much, but thinking that that's enough. The way we respond to God is by putting our whole body. Body in. And friends, I want you to take it from people who have learned what it means to put their whole body in. People who have learned the benefit of putting their whole self in, shaken and all. And I want you to know that that is truly what it's all about. God has given us everything. That body we are fixing to break together is a whole body. It's not a finger. It's not a foot. Jesus gave us everything. And we, in response, do the same. In Jesus' name.